Good morning, and welcome to Mass Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. I'm not going to give out the phone number today because this is a pre-recorded show. I am I can't bilocate yet, and today I am speaking at the Northwest Indiana Women's Conference. And so since I am there, probably speaking right now, I pre-recorded this show for you. And we have some amazing um, guests today that answer some of the questions uh, that you have asked before and meet some of our needs of our regular Mass Appeal audience, but also inspire you and will inspire me. So I'm pretty excited to talk to some of these people. Um, we're going to chat with Melissa Molesky about the supreme vocation of women. For all of you wondering, what is women's role in the church today? Does the Catholic Church put down women, or what gifts do they um, bring to the church? That'll be so exciting. Um, we're going to talk up to the author of Hearing Everyday Catholicism, a lady who's written several Chicken Soup for the Soul books about hearing God's answers in our lives and some wonderful stuff faith stories. I'm excited about that. And for all of you parents who know that your children need to be consecrated to Jesus through Mary in order to really keep their faith, we're going to have Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle here to talk about her new book, Consecration to Jesus Through Mary, that is filled with family activities. Also this hour, we're going to have um, Mario Costaville talk about this new virtual program, the one-of-a-kind virtual event for parishes and youth groups and things. So that's just the first hour. Wait till you're at the second hour. That's just as exciting. So stay tuned with us here this hour. We've got a lot of wonderful guests that will solve some of our problems already and also offer us through their books and through their teachings and through their lives some free, friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. So this is Colleen Kelly-Mast. My background is in family life education. I have an honorary doctorate degree in humane letters. I have teaching certificates in health, science, physical education, and theology. I've been a teacher for a long time. I've written Love and Life and Sex Respect and um, the new Love Ed series that, um, that um, is now a video discussion series and so many things that can help you. You can learn more about my work at sexrespect.com. And we'll post some of our guests here on today's show that are in some of their books, and I'll post them on my Facebook fan page so that after the show, the um, they'll be posted on there. So you'll be able to follow up even if you're driving in the car and you didn't have a, a pen or paper with you. Or you can always call me next week and we can chat about it a little more because I'll be back on live next week, God willing. All right, so I'd like to introduce our first guest here, uh, Melissa Molesky, and I had an opportunity to chat with her this week and have, have looked through her book. She's a speaker, a writer, and a, a director of youth and young adult ministry, and she presents at faith formation conferences and parish retreats, and um, she's had work featured in Homiletic and Pastoral Review, and she's a young adult convert to the Catholic faith that has a Master of Arts in Theological Studies from Christendom's College Graduate School just not too long ago, and she um, has a husband and four children, and she wrote this book called The Supreme Vocation of Women, according to St. John Paul II, and it's published by Sophia Institute Press. So many of you know that um, 
that women's vocation has been uh, written about and announced uh, by St. John Paul II and talking about the strengths and the virtues of women and how when we understand our complementary natures, that men and women are not meant to be at odds with each other or fight for power with each other and not be competitors, but truly complement one another. And if we can understand this, our relationships will go better, our marriages will go better, if we truly understand the opposite sex and the gifts that we bring. So, Melissa, are you here, here on the line with us? Yes, Melissa. I am. Hi. Oh, hi, Melissa. Thanks for joining us this morning. I know that our listeners will be eager to hear about um, your story and, and some of your work. And so, first of all, you're a mom, and you have four children, right? And you've got yes. a, a yes, ma- master's degree. Did you have the children mm-hmm. before the master's degree or the master's degree before the children? I actually had them uh, side by side. So I had my first two, and then I had my second two while I was studying and writing my my thesis. So, so that's a perfect example of what Pope John Paul II says: using our gifts, right? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> to the best of my ability. Okay, so let me ask you a couple questions here that our listeners might be thinking of: like, how do our modern notions of sexuality and gender, how do they twist and pervert God's plan for creation? Because we're, people are getting so confused with the, the confusion of the culture that we're starting to wonder, does the Catholic Church have this right or not? So how are these modern notions really perverting what God originally intended? That is such a great question and such a heart-wrenching question for so many people. The, the world, uh, from what we understand, is, is saying that gender and sexuality is this thing that can be turned on or off or switched because it doesn't really matter. It has nothing to do with who you are as a person, Um, which the the church believes that, that, no, your sexuality is a fundamental gift of your entire existence because your sexuality is crucial to how you are called by God to tell the human story in the world. And the human story is ultimately telling the story of God himself because we Mm. are made in his image and according to his likeness. And so he created us to share in his life but also share his life with the rest of the world. And that is how we are first and foremost called to do this. Hmm, that's beautiful. So then if if your book is called The Supreme Vocation of Women, what is the supreme vocation of women? And then how can, that's A, and then B, how can we fully seek it in today's culture that is so confused about their gender and their sexuality? So first, what's the supreme yeah. vocation of women? What is it then? I mean, without them having to go out and buy the book, (laughs) it'll make them want to get it, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So the supreme vocation of women is what John Paul II uh, called women to be, and he said, uh, to you women falls the task of being sentinels of the invisible. And because Mm. um, we know that the invisible is, is that image and likeness of God in us, women are called to be sentinels of that image in the human person as, it, as we express it in the world. So we are protective of those, those virtues and those values and those essential qualities of God that flow through the human person. 
And so what that means for us as women in the world is to protect the things that are true about the human person, protect what is good about the human person, what is beautiful about the human person, what unifies humanity together in our complementary mm-hmm. natures right. and in how we live and, and witness to the truths of our faith. That is our task. And there are so many ways that we can do that. And that is the, the beautiful uh, expression of diversity that God has instilled in all of us. But we still have that same supreme vocation to do this. So our supreme vocation of women is that we're essentially to deliver the message of the image of God to the world so that we bring goodness and beauty. That's why women are so beautiful, right? And why men look at women and see their beauty. They're to look and thank God for the beauty in the world. As I teach young men when I'm talking to youth groups about purity, when you look at a woman, you see her beauty. You don't see, hey, I want a piece of that. You say, Thank you, God, for the beauty you've placed in the world. Help me to always treat your beauty with great respect, including this woman that is so attractive in front of me. And so we can rise up everyone's thinking to see the beauty, just not the physical beauty, but the virtuous beauty and the the unity and the the capacity to bring life into the world. So we're kind of called, you say, to deliver that message of the image of God to the world. Wow. That's a big job, and too many young women don't see that. So uh, how can women then start step one, if they didn't see this as their mission to create unity rather than division and competition, how can they start to to bring that into today's culture? Well, I think it's just, it's more reorienting how you look at, how you look at the world. So women, we have this tendency already to to live out this vocation. You know, women are called and overwhelmingly go into um, education and health care and social activism and community outreach. And, you know, we have that desire to start families and to raise children and to, you know, spearhead meal trains and small groups and parishes and in our community. These are all things that we can do to to live out that vocation to bringing out the best in humanity and rooting it in the reality of Christ. And so mm. I think it's just more of a, a mental shift of, of understanding whatever I am doing, I am doing because God calls me to it, and it is how he wants me to reveal him to others in the mm. world. Well, so my there any- gift of self. Okay, and also in your book you say that would tie in with that and what we do, but what are some of those unique strengths of women, like the ones that Pope John Paul II talks about that are in the Bible, some strengths that, not to say men don't have these, but they're unique strengths, the way women are made, the way they think, the way their brains are composed and designed. What are some unique strengths of women that we need to develop more? Yes, yes, so women are naturally protective. Of, of the human person. That is, we, we are like that, you know, human person is our purview. We want to protect them in the entire, entirety and integrity of their existence. And through that protective instinct that we have towards every person, you know, we lead to the, um, the aspect of being able to illuminate truth through our love of, and protectiveness of the human person, that the human person has a dignity and a power and a grace that does not come from anything we can find on earth. So nothing on earth can make us truly happy. Only uh, human, human worth can only be measured 
by divine scales is what I say. And that's, mm. you know, that's what we try to reveal in the world. And through that revelation, through our protective actions, we come to profess and give witness to our relational nature made in that image and likeness of God. We say we are relational creatures. We are made for communion and community. And you cut that off. You start doing that hamster wheel of self-fulfillment and self-doubt and anything that has to do just with self. If you can't get outside of yourself, you are going to lose yourself mm. and everyone else that is meant to benefit from you. And so that is the, the special and, you know, immeasurably beneficial qualities that women present in all of scripture and all of history, even today. Wow, back to selfishness is the root of unfulfillment. Now, we also have this spiritual battle going on, as you and I well know. And why does the devil, like, fear and hate authentic womanhood? It seems like at, at every turn, uh, real, true femininity is being attacked. So why does the devil hate and fear authentic womanhood so much? Oh, because she is at the root of this this idea of of communion and community. She's rooted in what's, uh, what John Paul II calls the order of love, where you have this relationship. You have the relationship between the, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and that's mirrored in human relationships. You have man, you have woman, you have um, you know you have children, you have neighbors. So you have God, you have self, and you have your other. And without the other, of which women was was the first in creation, uh, you don't okay. have that relationship. You just, again, you just have yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the devil is like, you know, if I take out that relationship, the, the space where the relationship is happening, mm-hmm. everything else just falls apart because there's nowhere to go. Mm. There's nowhere for that love to go. And mm. so that is why he hates women so much because that is where you know, things burst forth. That's where, mm. thing, you know, that is where life and love and truth is sent forth from. Well, this is so inspiring. We could talk all day about that. But um, <laughs> um, let's just talk about how they can get your book. It's called The Supreme Vocation of Women, according to St. John Paul II. And they can get it at mm-hmm. Sophia, Sophia Institute Press, right? Yes, ma'am. That's the oh. best place to go. Okay, well, thank you so much for writing your book and inspiring us to, again, uplift women, um, get that battle of the sexes back to peace between relationships, and see if we can spread more of God's love in the world. Thanks so much for being with us here today, Melissa. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, sure. This is Colleen Kelly Mast on Mast Appeal. We'll be back with more interesting topics right after this message. I know there have been dozens of moments where you had to stop yourself from saying something you would regret. I've been there. But it's so important that we pause to check our thoughts before we speak. All of us have had negative thoughts at some time or another. But if your thoughts are on the negative side, practice replacing them with something more uplifting before you utter them. Famous speaker Zig Ziglar once said, Life is an echo. What you send out comes back. What you sow, you reap. What you give, you get. What you see in others exists in you. Practice emphasizing the positive and reap the rewards. Now, of course, we know that what you sow, you reap comes from Scripture, and I'm happy to hear others echo those words. So I get it. There are times where behavior of others warrants harsh words, but at the end of the day, aren't we trying to correct instead of corrupt someone? So let's help others learn by ridding our own speech of negative talk. 
This has been a Christ Center communication message. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo, a communications evangelist. If you believe in the power of prayer, Ave Maria Radio invites you to look at their website to submit a prayer request at AveMariaRadio.net. Your prayer requests are shared with hundreds at the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, the Servants of God's Love, the Monastery of the Blessed Sacrament Cloistered Nuns, the Family of Faith Apostolate, and the staff of Ave Maria Radio. Just go to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the Community tab to submit your prayer request today. Violence begets violence. Love broke the chains in the civil rights movement of the 1960s. Hi, this is Peggy Stanton, host of A Place of Peace. Join my guest, civil rights leader Andrew Young, as he relates how nonviolence achieved peace and great racial progress. That's this Saturday at 11 a.m. and Sunday at 9.30 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. Good morning and welcome to Mass Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio where you can get some free, friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. And today we're receiving some inspiration as well. The show is pre-recorded, so I'm not going to give out the phone number. I am speaking at the Northwest Indiana Women's Conference. And uh, it's virtual as well as live. And so um, I'm pre-recording the show of other... um, Hold on. I'm pre-recording the show for your enjoyment and your inspiration, and hopefully will be better because of it. Now, the next thing I'm going to talk about in this segment is stories, wonderful stories, how people have been inspired and upheld by one another throughout history with the stories of faith um, in different times, and through the power of prayer, God's provision, and... Um, the, uh, so I have an author here that will um, talk to us about everyday Catholicism. And this is an author of one of the ch- several of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books that many of you might be familiar with. Her name is Leanne Tiemann. She's a nationally acclaimed professional speaker, author, and nurse who was accidentally caught up in the Vietnam orphan airlift in 1975. Um, and so... After her Operation Baby Lift story was featured in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Mother's for Mother's Soul, she became one of Chicken Soup's uh, greatest writers. And her most recent book is Chicken Soup for the Soul, Everyday Catholicism. So it's an honor to have her here today. I've been browsing through her book, inspired by the stories that will lead us to the power of prayer, how God will provide, how there are angels among us. So, Leanne, are you here with us now? I certainly am. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. It's great to be here with you. I know I spent a lot of time introducing you, <laughs> but um, you must be so inspired and, and constantly growing in your faith as you gather inspiring stories like this, are you? Oh, I have the best job in the world. I read about oh. 2,000 stories for each book that I write, and I've written 14 for Chicken Soup. And this is a four-book series by Sophia. Um, Press Institute Press that took Mm -hmm. my stories from Chicken Soup for the Soul, um, Living Catholic Faith, A Book of Miracles, and Answered Prayer, took those three books and put them in a four-book series Mm. called Everyday Catholicism. 
Mm, wonderful. So this is the big book then, Everyday Catholicism, and it's beautiful stories. Maybe you can tell us a few now just to entice us to, to be inspired by your book and probably want to get a copy of it too. So how about that story of my son's new job, about that mother of four daughters and a son who receives the news that her son has decided to become a priest? That would inspire our listeners. Can you give us a, a brief version of that one? You know, that is a great story because she was kind of opposed to him being in the, going into the priesthood. And then when she was acknowledged at the potluck dinner that 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 was her job, she, that's my son, the priest. Actually, I would love to take one minute to tell you a story about Medjugorje. Okay. Based on what I just was listening to from your previous guest who inspired me. (laughs) Uh, My mother was 80 when she went to Medjugorje and and went up the mountain by with everybody else, and one of their missions while they're there is to take truck uh, busloads of food to needy people in the community. And they had loaded 30 grocery bags full of groceries to take to the needy throughout the town, which was their routine with this p- particular pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. And they counted the 30 bags in, and as they were going to different places, bombed out places, and people with disabilities, and and they bus driver stopped at one place and a man and a little boy came running out and expecting them and the bus driver said oh they're not on our list today we have to drive away oh no mom said and the rest of the people on the bus no no he said but we'll be disappointing someone else so they had to pull away and leave the little boy and man standing there mm. well they went and they delivered the other 29 counted out 29 more bags to 30 people to get they looked back in the back of the bus there's one more bag of groceries. Mm. It was a miracle. They go mm. back to the boy and the daddy, and they come running out expect the, mm. as if they expected them to be back. <laughs> oh, my. The loaves and the fishes repeated today. How exactly. beautiful. That's exactly. Is that the story in the book or just another story since then? It's in the book. It's, okay. in, it's one of the four books in the series. And I was just reading one this morning really quickly about a, a mom and dad who were on a vacation when their son was uh, in a terrible, terrible motorcycle accident. And they rushed back to be at his side, and he had multiple surgeries and wasn't expected to live. Mm-hmm. But he woke up, and they thought it was great, and he started bleeding internally. They rushed him back to surgery, and the doctor said, I, I'm, I don't think that he's going to make it. And, of course, being great Catholic people, they pleaded and they begged and they cried and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And then she remembered she's a Eucharistic minister and there's hosts in the chapel. Mm. And she went and took a host and broke it and put part of it on her comatose son tongue and on her Mm. own tongue. Then she went home to rest while her husband came back. And as soon as he got to the hospital, he called her and said, you have to come back right away. And she said, oh, no, why? And he said, I came into the room, and it was empty, and I dropped to my knees, screaming in tears. But then I looked in the hallway, and there's our son walking down the hallway with the walker in an IV stand. Oh. And the nurses said, we have no idea how he made it recovery in that oh. short time. And the dad said, I know. Oh, Oh my and these goodness. are all true stories, one after the other after the other. Mm-hmm. God's grace is so, so wonderful. So I am so privileged to be able to write these books, take people's true stories. Often I help 
to help them rewrite them because so many people say, I have a story, I just don't know how to tell it. And yes, and you're, privilege you do a great do job of doing that. You're a great writer, and so you can put someone else's story into beautiful words that, that illuminate it and help us see the truth and beauty in it. How exciting. Okay, the, another story in there. Maybe you can tell us about this one, about the lady who is left penniless after a divorce, and she's asked by her new friends at a retreat, what do you need? What, do you remember what happened in that story? Oh, right. Yes, she was, at a, a, she, was, she was at a woman's retreat that she didn't plan to even go to. She was just loaning her house to a friend, and the friend said, well, come with me. And she was supposed to ask for... Um, while you're there, ask for what you need. And she said, well, the truth is, I, she had a horrible, horrible divorce and was in a penniless state. And she said, what I really need is a new car. And they went, mm-hmm. uh, or, or need a car. I don't have a car. And they went back to the retreat the next day, and the people that sat in front of them turned around and said, I know this is the strangest thing, and you're not even going to believe it, but in my prayer time yesterday, God told me I was supposed to give you my car. Oh, my. I drove down here with, um, with by myself, but my friends are here to, to drive me back to my town. And mm-hmm. I don't understand why, but God told me I'm supposed to give you my car. <laughs> and oh, my of goodness. Course, and of course she did. Oh. You know, in the beginning of these books, I say, miracles happen every day. Yes, my yes. mother, a devout Catholic woman, went to a, um, a retreat, many, many retreats. And one day she asked the Monsignor, Miracles happened all the time in the Bible. Why don't we see miracles today? And he said they happen all the time. We just have to be alert to them and aware of them and not trying to explain them with science or Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're right. Right. So we've got a beautiful book here, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Hearing God's Answers in Our Lives, Everyday Catholicism by Leanne Tiemann with amazing, inspiring stories of miracles that happen every day. So if you're looking for miracles, keep looking. Maybe get a copy of this book from Sophia Institute Press, Everyday Catholicism, Chicken Soup for the Soul. And you'll be inspired too and maybe be able to see some more of the miracles in your life. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Dr. Stan Williams, and this is Evidences for Christianity. All religions have myths and ideas about a great God who made the world. But no religious teachers except Jesus Christ ever claimed to be that man. G.K. Chesterton said this about that. The most that any religious prophet had ever said was that he was the true servant of such a being. But that the Creator was present in the detailed daily life of the Roman Empire That is something utterly unlike anything else in nature. It is the one great startling statement that man has made since he spoke his first articulate word instead of barking like a dog. And that's evidence for Christianity. To explore more, go to AveMariaRadio.net. Under resources, look for me, Dr. Stan Williams. This is Father Frank Lavone of Priests for Life. Each year, from September 15th to October 15th, Hispanic Heritage Month is observed in the United States. One of the most important elements of Hispanic heritage is a profound respect and love for life and family. Yet sadly, the abortion industry targets the Hispanic community aggressively, trying to sell them the false solution of abortion, which instead of solving a problem, only creates more problems and wounds that affect the whole family and our whole society. In October, our initiative, Healing the Shockwaves of Abortion, 
features the Hispanic community as its theme and offers pastoral resources to assist Hispanics to choose life and heal from the wounds of abortion. We also point out that no other issue of social justice can be resolved if we do not secure the right to life. Learn more at AbortionShockWaves.com. This is Father Frank Pavone on Ave Maria Radio. And welcome to Mass Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. I'm not going to give out the phone number today because this is a pre-recorded show. I cannot bilocate yet, and I'm speaking today at the Northwest Indiana Women's Conference. Honored to be the keynote address there. So I've prepared a show for you with some wonderful guests that will inspire us all. They've all written some amazing books. And my next guest is some that many of you, especially the EWTN television watchers, will be familiar with, Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle. She's known worldwide for her encouraging words and down-to-earth guidance for families. She's, she's the one who had met St. Teresa of Calcutta, who deeply impacted her. And Donna now weaves this wisdom from her 10-year friendship with the saint and into you know the television show she does. She's done three series on EWTN. She's a world-renowned speaker, award-winning journalist. She's always writing books. She's written 30 books, and she leads pilgrimage. So those of you that are not familiar, stay tuned and those of you that are familiar with her, you know there's somebody you love here on the line. And she's going to talk about today a book that's really important to all of us, especially those who struggle praying for your children that maybe have left the faith or children that you're trying to raise in the faith and you don't want them to leave. Because Don has written this wonderful book to help us prepare for St. Louis de Montfort's family consecration with, with fun and interesting exercises and activities to, to actually make the prep for cons- consecration fun in your family. So, Donna, are you here with us on the line now? Yes. Hello, Colleen. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, Donna, I am so happy you can join us. It's an honor to have you here. So this is a a beautiful book by Sophia Institute Press. They published it with, they always have beautiful artwork on the cover, but it's so attractive and your your writing is so beautiful. I love how it's divided up into the, uh, the different chapters and family activities for each chapter, but takes us into how to be holy, whether or not you know anything about a consecration, whether you learned about your faith very well, whether you're a brand new parent or a parent that has left the church and coming back. This book is for everyone. So what was the inspiration for you behind writing another book on the consecration to Jesus through Mary? Well, thank you for asking. Um, well, yes, it is another book, but it's actually a first of its kind that helps to consecrate the entire family. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you probably know, you mentioned about some of my books, 30, there's actually more now, but uh, it's all for the family. I just feel inspired to help the family. Um, you know, the family is always under attack, and we need to do all we can to, to protect them and to provide the tools and everything. So that's why I do what I do and put one foot in front of the other by the grace of God to walk in mm-hmm. faith. And, and I always want to share it with everyone to help them. So, you know, I felt so inspired to do something that would not only help for the consecration for the adults, but the whole family, all the kids, you know, from seven on up, seven being the age of reason. So mm-hmm. 
you know, I just felt inspired to put this together to, to help everyone to, you know, because we work out our holiness within the domestic church, within the walls of the home, through those right. little details of life, you know, the, mm-hmm. the thick and thin, the give and take. And so I wanted to, you know, encourage the family because, you know, I stayed true to St. Louis de Montfort's teachings because I really wanted to stay true to that. He Right, he and you quote a lot of them in there, too. Well, yes, because it's his, you know, it, it, everything he prescribed in, in the teachings and his prayers. But, you know, it can be a little bit intimidating exactly. for people, you know, because some stuff might go over their heads. Or mm-hmm. when you're trying to teach the children, it's like, whoa, wow, what, yeah. how do I teach? You know, how do we really give ourselves fully to our Lord, to, you know, through the hands of Mary and through her immaculate heart? So right. um, by the grace of God, you know, I prayed and I even had a first class relic of St. Louis de Montfort that was loaned to me and actually I've been given to me oh. by a Benedictine friend friend of mine, a monk. And he, he it was really a gift from God to have that with me and to pray with it while I was writing. So I prayed that this book would be just what you know families needed to help them. So it, it has all these, you know, wonderful teachings from Saint Louis de Montfort who was on fire with love for the Blessed Mother and who really um, believed that Jesus is not known enough because his mother's not known enough. And, you know, his prophetic writings and teachings had a remarkable influence on the Catholic Church, and they continue to do so. So I wanted to make yes. sure he was a real big part of this book. But you also, did. But tell us about the setup of the book, you know, how you've made this unique, that it, it, it's very simple for families to follow. Yeah, so families might feel, you know, nervous. How am I going to fit something else into our busy day? But everything is all mapped out for you here. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, you'll feel some peace and love in it, too, throughout the pages because I I poured heaping doses of that throughout to try to encourage everyone. So it's, you know, broken up into the four different parts that St. Louis prescribes, you know, emptying yourself of the spirit of the world, obtaining knowledge of yourself, obtaining knowledge of the Blessed Virgin, and obtaining knowledge of Jesus Christ. But throughout those parts are the 33 days of preparation. And each day, you know, you start with just, you know, an encouragement to, in addition to praying a morning offering, to pray this little morning prayer that I suggest uh, for that particular day. Mm-hmm. And then you go into, I'm just flipping through to get to a chapter just to see, um, you know, there's a theme to it. Like day one is be countercultural. And it gives a quote from St. Louis and it gives a suggestion for a prayer. You could pray together, you know, at your breakfast table or together, wherever. Right. And they're short and easy, sweet. Yes. And a teaching, the teaching, you know, is, is the meat and potatoes. That's the part where you want to devote like 10, 15 minutes every day, you know, morning, evening, whenever it is, be flexible and just, you know, commit to a little bit of time to do the teaching and to say the prayers together. Mm-hmm. And then it's distilled for the children, you know, then I tell, the, the adult teaching, but then I talk about um, give the teaching for the children, and I think Colleen, the teaching for the children is also for the adults. Because it exactly it's, is. It's at, <laughs> at two different levels. So, what are some ways a family's life will change after it goes through this process? Because I can see parents learning a lot from even the children's little prayers and exercises. <laughs> oh, thank you for asking. Well, yeah, just gathering together—that's a big—that's a big one. You know, gathering together, taking the time. Life is busy. Life is, you know, gets mm-hmm. busier and busier. And sometimes we busy ourselves too much, too. But, you know, some people are still sheltered in, and there's this new kind of normal, supposedly, and so we might have a little extra time. And even if we don't, you know, just 10, 15 minutes to invest, because a 
three-day preparation. It's, you know, once a year you're going to invest this time to be together. You'll, you'll benefit so much. You'll get closer to Jesus through Mary. You'll, um, in essence, really become instruments in Our Lady's mm, hands because you're mm-hmm. giving your, your life and you're, and you're learning so much about it. And you're, you're forging your way in the family. You know, you're learning together. You're growing together. Yeah. You're working out your salvation even. Exactly. You know, together. And, you know, we're a work in progress. I don't want people to think, well, uh, we don't have those shining halos over our heads. So we're not really cut out for this. No, we're all works in progress. Every single one of us. We get, right. you know, frustrated or annoyed or this or that. But we, we, um, offer forgiveness and tenderness and love in our domestic churches. And we, you know, we put one foot in front of the other and keep going. So to make that time together, to grow together, it's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity. I can see how families would become just a support system for one another to get to heaven from utilizing this book as well as fulfilling the consecration to Jesus through Mary. Well, thank you yeah. so much. This is Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle. Her new book is Family Consecration to Jesus Through Mary, 33 Days of Nice, simple, fun, interesting activities for families to implement the consecration to Jesus through Mary by Sophia Institute Press. So thank you so much, Donna. God bless you. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popcha. When their teens are struggling with depression, parents often wonder whether medication or therapy is the best way to help their kids heal. A new study published in the medical journal The Lancet shed some light on this question. In a randomized, placebo-controlled, double-blind study, the so-called gold standard in medical research, doctors found that psychotherapy alone helped depressed teens and young adults just as much as those receiving counseling and medication combined. The authors of the study suggest that psychotherapy, especially cognitive behavior therapy, which addresses unhealthy thinking patterns, should be the first line of treatment for teens and young adults, with antidepressants being used only as a support to therapy when necessary. The good news is that teen depression responds tremendously well to treatment, but it's important to make sure that your kids get the right kind of help. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. What are the three parables Jesus tells about prayer in St. Luke's Gospel? The first is what the Catechism calls the importunate friend. This is the friend who wakes a pal at midnight in order to borrow three loaves of bread to feed a visitor. The second parable the Catechism labels the importunate widow, who persistently pleads for her rights from a reluctant judge till the wearied judge rules in her favor. This parable illustrates the need to pray always and with the patience of faith. Jesus closes this parable with the poignant question, When the Son of Man comes, will he find any faith on the earth? The third parable centers on the Pharisee and the tax collector, commending the tax collector for his humility because he asked God to be merciful to me, a sinner, a prayer which the church adopts as its own. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. 
I'm not going to give out the phone number today. This is a pre-recorded show, so call in next week with your questions or personal problems. Today I'm speaking as the keynote address at the Northwest Indiana Women's Conference, and since I am not holy enough to bi-locate, I pre-recorded this show for you with some exciting guests, and I'm really enthused to present all of them to you, especially this next one. I think you'll love some with programs for your parish and your youth groups and so many things that we can even do virtually today. So, um, so in this session, Segment, um, I would like to introduce you to Mario Constabile, who's going to be on the line next. And he, the, some of you know him already, some of you know um, Array of Hope, um, but he's got a brand new project called Rise Up we want to chat about. And just to hear a little bit more about him, um, Mario has produced content for film, for television, for the recording business. And, you know, for MTV, VH1, the Discovery Channel, I mean, so many different, he's done things for Formed, those of you whose parishes subscribe to Form, And so he's committed, committed to utilizing his talents to do God's will in the development of Array of Hope, his organization, and its vision to unite families and help them grow closer to God. So that we have a devout Catholic using his powers for good and not evil is pretty exciting to me. So let's hear about some of the projects. Are you on the line here, Mario? I am. I am. Thank you for having me today. Oh, Mario, thanks for joining me. When I was reading about you, I'm just honored to know that you'd be on the show. I thank you for sharing your talents with God um, and for all his people, especially in this day now with the COVID-19 pandemic. It's still Mm -hmm. spreading. We've got to figure out how do we, I mean, I'm sure parish have been working at that for months how do we maintain effective and meaningful faith formation with the current restrictions in various states and so you already had experience in this so before we just talk about rise up that your newest Mm -hmm. program tell me about what array of hope is doing yeah well array of hope is a multimedia event organization we we're actually on our 10th year and we started by doing sort of live multimedia concerts in parishes. So if you could imagine going to your parish gymnasium or auditorium and and seeing a concert with lighting and films and uh, laser lights and and visuals and uh, people engaging, sort of like Steubenville youth event on steroids at your local parish. (laughs) That's what... if you, that, that's what Array of Hope started as. And then we evolved in creating content for Catholic television because we're media-centric. You know, this is what we did. Yes. And we've been doing that now for the past 10 years very successfully. We do concerts. We do confirmation retreats. We do family retreats, youth events all over the country. And that's what Array of Hope is. Mm, that's so exciting. So you have been all over the country, and are you mostly catering to youth groups or mostly to everybody since we are in a, such a visual yeah. multimedia culture? Yeah. Well, the the inspiration was really to evangelize the families, and then it trickled down that you know youth uh, parishes and and confirmation uh, retreat programs saw what we were doing, which was very engaging, and they brought us in to do youth events. So, really, we do a cross range of events, but our our sweet spot is really evangelizing to the family, you know, strengthening the domestic church, strengthening the family, so that our faith can grow, you know, in our country. So what makes your virtual events different than other virtual yeah. conferences? I mean, we're all having Zoom meetings and, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. we're, we're familiar now with online meetings. Sure. But what makes yours so different and exciting? 
Yeah, well, you could imagine when COVID hit, you know, an event organization, which we've had dozens and dozens <laughs> of events on our schedule, literally yeah. came to a standstill with no events. Exactly. So we had to really discern, reevaluate how we were going to go forward. And as we were discerning, we were clearly getting messages from the Holy Spirit that don't give up. You know, I know churches having difficulty just keeping their faith formation programs yeah. alive. And I said, well, maybe there's a way that we can do it online. And as time progressed, you saw that there was these sort of conferences springing up, which were beautiful and very engaging. And we participated in a couple of them ourselves. Uh, but one of the things that was lacking, per se, what Array of Hope does, our charism was to be interactive, engaging. Mm -hmm. Our live events always drew people to the stage. We always did mm. trivia games. And that particular platform where people were just watching films or videos, mm -hmm. there wasn't that much interaction or engagement, would not have would not work for a ray of hope. So I had to go deeper. I had to consult with technical people and people that were in development. And uh, to make a long story short, through many, many hours of discernment and, and trying, and trying and failing at things, we put together this virtual platform that is truly engaging, that the participant will go into this sort of malleable space where they can engage with widgets and, and toolbars and chat bars and conduct, you know, be involved in polls. But the sweet spot, the beautiful thing that we're doing is that we developed this virtual stage. So the participant could kind of call in like I did right now with your radio show and mm -hmm. we beam them into the stage and they're on stage live with the musicians or the presenters engaging with them, doing trivia games. Oh, my. Uh, uh, it's like a really, live video it's, game. <laughs> it's, it's a live, it, the person is literally transported, you know, virtually into this space. So it's very unique. It's never been done in the Catholic world. Uh, we developed it here at Array of Hope, and we are super excited to serve the church with this because, as you know, you know, parishes are suffering. How, how do we yes, continue our yes. faith formation programs? And I think we really have the solution. Exactly. And besides that it is online and virtual, is that That's it right. is methods, I would say, that young people are attracted to and familiar with. They're all right. working with widgets and toolbars and chat bars That's and right. trivia games. That is their platform. I know that a lot of the, the teenagers and even preteens that I know would learn much better if it was with gadgets and, and me yep. putting me virtually into a different space because if they, we could put the truth of the faith in a platform that they're familiar with, understand and interacts with their brain in the yeah. ways that they're used yeah. to interacting, they're going to learn better and more than memorizing the entire catechism, I would think. <laughs> you know what, you hit the nail on the head. That's been our approach the entire time, to create a, a conduit that is relatable to the culture and then draw them in through that conduit that they're familiar with and then bring on the teachings of the church, reveal to them the beauty of Jesus Christ and, and who God is, that's when the Holy Spirit really works. And I think that's where the Catholic Church really needs to, you know, get to the next level, you know, get to the next point where we can really create those opportunities where we're relatable to the culture. And then once we draw them in, you know, like I said, the Holy Spirit engages and, and brings them toward, the, toward God.
Yes, exactly, because if it's not something that they're already, a, a method, I'd say, that they're mm-hmm. familiar with. I think when in the mm-hmm. encyclical evangelization in the modern world, I th- was it? Yeah. Oh, they talked about changing the methods, but not the message. So what, oh, uh, right on. what teachings, for example, do you get your, your quiz questions and, and some of those things straight out of the, the lives of the saints or the catechisms? Where do you get your content? Yeah, yeah, and no, all of the above. Uh, where we use the catechism quite a bit. We're very devout to, you know, sharing the beauty of the saints, the, the church fathers, the importance mm. of the sacraments, um, you know, the Eucharist. I mean, all this stuff that is devoutly Catholic, I think, um, has become less important to our culture, and we're, we're trying to show, you know, how it's been around the enti- from the beginning of the church, you know, and, and we've mm. just maybe mm. forgotten about it maybe, or yeah. it's gone under the radar, or whatever the reason might be. We're, we're trying to draw the beauty of the church back to the families. Um, we found that, you know, a lot of families are on the catechized. They have very little formation yes. parents, so right. they don't have... The, the, the tools to really express the questions that young people might have. You're right. So we're, we're, addressing, we're addressing all that stuff. And, and educating the parents and the kids at the same time. That's, now, that's right. We're, we're up against break, but I want to hear more from you. Can you stay on sure. over the break, Mario? Absolutely. Because sure. we, like, I know there are a lot of religious ed teachers, there are CCD teachers mm-hmm. out there, there are parents, there are grandparents. We've got mm-hmm. DREs listening. We've got even priests and bishops, I know, that listen to the show. So I want to know a little more practically um, how sure. to implement this program and then what your Rise Up is about, too. So hang okay. on. We'll be right back with Mario Constabile and Array of Hope, his virtual programs, live events for parishes that are very exciting and relate to all age groups. And we'll be back with more of Mass Appeal right after this message. Fire on the earth, Peter Herbeck. And we do have discouraging times. You know, times that really can, if we're not careful, can lead us into discouragement. And to the point where the enemy wants to get us to is to live without hope. Is to just give up, throw up our arms and say, no, God's not here. Uh, this is not never going to go anywhere. Nothing's ever going to change. And just give in. Give up and give in. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to give up, give in, quit, quit the fight. Because then it's over. What we need to do is stand in the Lord, and if we just walk as Jesus is describing, to tap into the strength that he wants to give us. He said, look, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I will never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'll never fail you. And I've called you, and I've chosen you to bear fruit. And he knows exactly the circumstances of our lives. He knew, you know, when you were made, he knew, they, for God the Father knew, that you'd be living through these days. Just as he knew that my father would live through the days of my mother, the days of the Second World War. He knows you were going to be alive at this time. And if you're listening to this program, and you're baptized into Christ, and you're a follower of Jesus, he's made you to make a difference. He's made you to bear fruit, even in these difficult times. He's made you to be a light. He's made you to be different. Peter Herbeck spreads fire on the earth, weekday mornings at 6.30 and again at 11.45 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Ever thought you'd make a bundle by trading in or selling your used vehicle only to find out it's worth a dinner for two? Well, it's much more valuable to donate your vehicle to Ave Maria Radio. Thousands of Americans donate their vehicle each year. The donation to Ave Maria is easy, tax-deductible, and supports our efforts to evangelize. A year from now, will you remember that dinner or your gracious and selfless donation? Go to AveMariaRadio.net to find out more. That's AveMariaRadio.net. 
Welcome back to Mass Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. Right now we're getting some advice on some great parish program that we can introduce to our pastor, our DRE, our youth minister, or if you're that decision maker yourself, um, called Array of Hope, some virtual programs that help teach faith to the whole family. And so our guest here is Mario Constabile. Mario, are you back with us here after the break? Yes, we are. Yeah, wonderful, we are. wonderful. So what, yeah. um, what's required of a parish or some host organization, a group, to offer yeah. this interactive event? What do they need to start with? Well, they really don't need anything, unlike a live event where they need to provide a space or a platform or uh, set up a, you know, a location and then have certain mm-hmm. requirements met. Right. Basically, they just have to set up a date and a time, Ooh. and we would send them uh, a registration portal and a, a unique private URL that they can give to their, uh, their to their congregation, to their families, to the students. Uh, and they, in, in order to do that, all they have to do is Contact Array of Hope. It's A R R A Y of Hope dot net, and uh, we you, t- t- you know talk to one of our team members, and they will make arrangements for you. And and essentially, we have two um, I guess two ways that they can uh, bring this in regarding payment. Um, mm-hmm. Our events was always was always based on a stipend where we would make arrangements based on the number of people that we're performing for, the location, the equipment needed, that kind of stuff. So and the length, and we would still make that available. So we would have an open discussion and seeing what they have set aside budget-wise mm-hmm. uh, and then come to an agreement. But the other option uh, is that uh, we've been speaking to people all around the country, uh, and a lot of parishes uh, and dioceses are suffering. Uh, a lot of people have been yeah. laid off, yeah. and even some parishes have been closed, and people are scrambling how to continue their faith formation program. So we developed a plan where it's a per-registrant fee, and that could be anywhere between $15 oh. to $25 per family. It okay. completely removes the... The, uh, liability of the parish, yeah. so the family just pays for it and participates. Uh, and that, I mean, we're a 501c3 not-for-profit organization. We're subsidized by our benefactors and supporters. So for me, uh, uh, my only interest is to serve and and glorify God and draw people to the church. So we're not really worried about. Uh, you know, the finances per se, although my board would differ. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> They'll say, Mario, why did you say that on the radio? So there's a per <laughs> registrant fee, so the, the parish doesn't even have to have the people gather there, right? You just well, link them up virtually, and then, then yeah, you have the, the registration, the, you have the, the yeah. ads to send out. Yeah, so what, what would happen is that the parish obviously has to bring it in and sponsor it and support it. It has to create right. an event through exactly. our portal, mm-hmm. and then we have to discuss with them how many attendants they expect. I mean, there are certain cost restrictions for us to operate, so we would have to we would discuss all that. But that, in the simplest form, we would conduct a per-family fee, uh, and then we would work it out with the parish and see what would work for them. Um, so we give two options. I mean, some parishes, you know, uh, you know, do have budget set aside, and we would work with them and say, look, they have X amount of dollars for their confirmation program, and then we would come up with a stipend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottom line for us is that we just have to cover our costs, you know, and That's once we cover our wonderful. costs, we're good to go. So, uh, you know, at, at, at the most important thing I want to convey to your listeners is that, you know, we just want to serve your parish. 
Um, you, we know that you're, you're struggling. We know that you need help. We, we, we know that you're looking for solutions, and we firmly believe that you know a ray of hope is that solution for you to try to get you over the hump uh, to catechize and offer formation to your parish. How exciting! You have a program coming up called Rise Up. That's your your latest program for for this fall. Yeah. Yes. Um, Rise Up is the name of our virtual program. Um, okay. We have the Rise Up virtual retreats, which was specific for confirmation retreats or youth retreats. Okay. And then we have a program called Rise Up Faith in Focus. Uh, and that is, you know, for uh, faith formation programs for families and whatnot. Okay, and they're great. actually both being launched, you know, this fall, September and October. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, tell us again where our listeners can learn more about your programs. Sure. Your website? Sure. It's Array. It's Array, A-R-R-A-Y of, O-F, Hope, H-O-P-E, dot net. And it's that dot simple. And, and you just go to our events page, and the first drop-down box is virtual events, and you can learn and read all about us and uh, contact us directly right through the portal. So exciting. Well, thank you so much, Mario, yes. for your work and sharing all these amazing technical talents to spread the good news and spread thank the you. teachings of the church. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing that with thank us. You're welcome, and God bless your work God as well. God bless you, too. Oh, my goodness, how exciting. I want to tell my parish about this. Can you imagine an interactive program, a retreat for your youth group or for the whole family as we're struggling with faith formation? What are we going to do about the program? Trivia games, widgets, toolbars, virtual connection. Oh, my goodness. Arrayofhope.net. Well, stay tuned for our second hour of Mass Appeal. You thought the first hour was exciting. Second hour, whoa, we've got some really amazing guests on. We're going to talk about some topics that will take us into spiritual warfare and the culture today. We'll be back with more of Mass Appeal right after this message. Second hour of Mast Appeal, the Saturday morning live show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. I'm not going to give out the phone number this morning because this is a pre-recorded show. I'm speaking at the Northwest Indiana Women's Conference live and virtually, but well, the show will carry on. So I've been able to acquire some wonderful, generous guests who are authors of various books and programs that are the answers to some of our questions anyway, so we can get some free, friendly advice from a Catholic perspective just reading their books. So first hour, we chatted with Melissa Maleski, and we chatted about the supreme vocation of women, what that really is, and how women can be the image of God to today's world. And so as women are a place for love to, to spread and grow, we need to respect that, not see men as, as competitive with women, and they're always not matching up to each other or arguing or fighting and emphasizing the difference. So I hope that inspires you. Um, Then we chatted with uh, Leanne Tiemann, 
that wrote Everyday Catholic and that gave us ideas of miracles that are happening every day in her Chicken Soup for the Soul of the, the Everyday for Everyday Catholics book. And then we chatted with Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle, the 38 Days of Preparation for Consecration. Simple family activities you can do in a few minutes each day for 33 days to prepare your family even if you don't understand what a consecration is or you haven't been praying with your family, her book is so simple that you can just follow each day's teaching and prayer and activity to prepare your family, all your kids and your spouse, um, to consecrate themselves to Jesus through Mary. So the faith will take hold in these crazy times. Then, of course, recently we just spoke to uh, Mary O'Constabile with a ray of hope, a virtual program for parishes and retreats and things like that. So give me a call next week if you have questions about those, or check out my Facebook fan page. I hope to post these after the show, some of the, the websites or links to their books and their programs. And so thanks for listening. Stay tuned here with us. We've got some exciting guests this next hour as well. So our first guest is going to be Anthony Esselin uh, that wrote Sex in the Unreal City. Then we've got the one that I'm going to take a breath at, Kelly Johnson, Caregiver's Companion. And then last but not least, we're going to talk to Father Dwight Longenecker with Immortal Combat and the spiritual battles that are going on today. So I was excited to, when I got my copy, my preview copy of Sex in the Unreal City, because it's, it's how many of our listeners and as well as how I think that we look at our culture. It's not our imagination that logic and reason have been thrown out the window in today's culture. I remember when one of our listeners called a few months ago and she was so concerned because her whole family was putting her down because she would not call her daughter who transgendered into a male the male's name because she knew it was a girl. She knew that she gave birth to this child that was a girl. So her whole family was putting her down. Her daughter was judging her, and she was feeling very guilty and wondering where her guilt was coming from. Well, she had the truth. The mother had the truth, and everybody else was confused. And so words don't alter our reality, Only, but a lot of people think that today. Men are claiming they're women when they're anatomy. I mean, there's a basic anatomy. There's XX chromosomes. There are XY chromosomes, and we live in this confused culture. So when I heard about this book, Sex in the Unreal City by Anthony Esselin, I thought, We've got to have him on our show. He's a prolific author anyway. He's written 14 books of nonfiction. He currently serves as professor of literature and writer in residence at Magdalen College at the Liberal Arts in, of the Liberal Arts in New Hampshire. Maybe some of your children have attended there. Maybe you've never heard of it. But let's get some common sense back to reality. So um, are you here with us right now, Anthony? Yes, I'm here with you. Anthony. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. You're welcome. Thanks for coming, and thanks for writing this book. The, the people that know the truth are even getting confused today because they're starting to doubt if the truth is true. And so for you to add both your humor and your philosophy and your intelligence to this concept, I, I thank you so much for doing that. So what did you, what, where did the inspiration come from to write Sex in the Unreal City? Well, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I had written... I had written plenty of uh, 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 articles online long time ago for the Touchstone magazine um, website, 
and I thought, you know, I should gather these things together rather than have them just disappear. Um, so I did, and the original plan was to just present them as a series of essays. But then, mm-hmm. as I as I was compiling them, I said, you know, well, I should take I should take a theme and run with it here, and the theme is on reality. Um, and the publishers liked that, and I ended up basically writing a new book entirely. And the funny thing is that the book combined uh, the, book, <laughs> the book was finished before um, the the latest uh, craze. Uh, uh, you know, almost before the the I think I got some of it in the the, the transgender craze. Mm-hmm. I did get some of it in, but I mean, my gosh, things are things are. Um, it's like we're we're standing on a crater that's collapsing beneath our feet, and every time we think we've hit a bottom, uh, it collapses even farther into 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 sheer madness, into yeah. unreality. Yeah, exactly. And then you start wondering what is real anymore. And the people that are relativists just say you create your own reality. So it's, yeah, so it's amazing. Just, of course, nonsense because. Uh, and nobody can live that way from from day to day. They're they're just uh, throwing that up as an excuse, or they're muddled in their heads. Um, there are there are physical laws that govern our our existence. There are biological laws. There, there's there 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 are um, there is such a thing as as human nature, and it's readily observable by ordinary people. Otherwise, we would be completely at sea every day of our lives. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we rely just. We rely on order in the universe yes. just to get, just to keep going from day to day. Um, so, what would you say is real versus unreal? Well, now the thing is that uh, um, great works of the imagination um, have always brought us more deeply into what is real. Mm-hmm. Right. So, oh, let's, okay. The, the book of uh, a book like uh, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings is a fantasy, but it's a fantasy that's meant. Uh, to lead us more and more deeply into considering uh, everlasting and changeless truths about good and evil, about uh, the nature of mankind, about the nature of the uh, physical world around us, trees and rocks and streams and so on. Um, that's not unreal. Okay. Okay? Uh, that's imaginary. But we have now uh, people believing in things that not only... Well, they're not real and they're not imaginary. They could not be real in any conceivable universe. Mm. So, for instance, uh, I say uh, uh, that for the, with the transgender thing, someone someone claims to be a man trapped in a woman's body. Mm-hmm. Um, the question immediately is how uh, how can you say that when you've just told me you same people have told me that there are no differences between men and women. <laughs> uh, where the differences are merely superficial and physical. Mm-hmm. So how can you be a woman trapped in a man's body? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like saying, I, I, I'm Napoleon, but there is no such person as Napoleon. Well, if you say both things at once, you, it's, it's, not only that, it's not only that you believe something that's not true. You believe something that could not conceivably be true in any universe. Yeah. And then I ask, how do you think... You being a woman, a man feels, or you being a man, how do you think a woman feels? What do you know about it? Yeah, yeah, um, good question. What can you possibly know about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, there's no answer. There can be no answer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this this kind of uh, unreal thinking pervades everything in uh, our uh, common life now. You know? Right. I saw that throughout your chapters. What are some of the um, components of the unreal city? The, the name of the book, we're, we're chatting with Anthony Esselin, and the book is called Sex and the Unreal City. Anthony, what are some of the components of this unreal city that we're living in? Because your subtitle is The Demolition of the Western Mind. So to live in this unreal city, we're almost uh, dismantling our own logic, aren't we? Yeah, we're dismantling logic and we're dismantling common observation, right? Um, so, for instance, everybody knows, uh, and I'm going to go back to the sexes here, but just take this as an example. Everybody knows that um, as uh, just a general truth, and I'm not talking about specific individuals, but as a general truth, mm-hmm. men are physically much stronger than women. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Right. right, because everybody has been uh, either the mother of a 14-year-old boy or a 14-year-old <laughs> boy, right? Um, and all, once you're 14 years old, then you're 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 stronger than your mother. But there's no way that you're stronger than your father. You, you might not be stronger than your father for a good 10 or 12 years yet, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, I mean, your father could put a beating on you at age if you're at 14. It's nothing. Um, well, everybody knows this, mm-hmm. and yet we're we are to pretend that it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. uh, that it's like in an imaginary world when it comes to practical questions such as uh, should uh, should women be carrying 80, 90 pounds of gear on their backs while they're pretending to be foot soldiers in combat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is nonsense. It's 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 what anybody um, without ideology that makes you all ideology does this by the way mm-hmm. ideology makes people stupid <laughs> but without ideology nobody would everybody would say well of course you wouldn't do something yes like that. Be it's dumb yeah it, it's not it's against your common sense and your knowledge of everything that you've learned just about human people just from existing whether you studied it in a yeah. science book or not right right um and we have to pretend that, that we have to pretend that none of it exists just as we pretend uh, that uh, that baby in in the womb is not a baby. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a parasite. Well, of course, it's not a parasite. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you lost your any sense of uh, uh, what words mean? Mm-hmm. A parasite is not of the same species as the host, and it attacks the host. Mm-hmm. A puppy puppies in the in the womb of a female dog are not parasites; they're puppies. <laughs> And she's done what the reproductive system of dogs is meant, to, meant do. to do, right? Uh, she's okay. not attacked with parasites. Those would be tapeworms. <laughs> They're puppies. A puppy. So what, um, what parts of your book, Sex and the Unreal City, The Demolition of the Western Mind, do you think that readers could relate to more easily than others? Oh, I, I think that uh, I, write for, I write for ordinary people. I write to be understood. I think they could understand the whole thing. Um, and uh, I, I go through it chapter to, by chapter um, according to the type of unreality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, then the last chapter, I think, would interest your readers a great deal because um, I don't like, uh, I don't write books that simply leave you with a sour taste in your mouth. We've got to rebuild. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what I like to focus on all the time. So the last chapter is a chapter on how to root yourself back in reality. Mm. And the last chapter 
is organized according to the tenets of the Apostles' Creed. Mm, beautiful. Okay, right. hang on, Anthony. I want you to stay with us after break. We've got a few more things to chat about about your book, but it's time for our break. So um, we will be back with Anthony Esselin and his book, Sex and the Unreal City, The Demolition of the Western Mind, on Mass Appeal, right after this message. If you believe in the power of prayer, Ave Maria Radio invites you to look at their website to submit a prayer request at AveMariaRadio.net. Your prayer requests are shared with hundreds at the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, the Servants of God's Love, the Monastery of the Blessed Sacrament, Cloistered Nuns, the Family of Faith Apostolate, and the staff of Ave Maria Radio. Just go to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the Community tab to submit your prayer request today. I'm Dr. Stan Williams, and this is Evidences for Christianity. It took 30 to 60 years after Christ's resurrection for the Gospels to be written. Why weren't they written on the spot? First, the habit of the time was to memorize. Besides, there were no printing presses, scribes were expensive, and illiteracy was high. Second, written records were deemed inferior to an eyewitness who could tell you what happened. Third, the New Testament authors were preoccupied with travel and evangelization, and it's hard to write from a donkey's back. And fourth, the early church expected Christ to return within a few years, so why bother? In the end, these reasons contributed to the broad and quick establishment of the church throughout the known world. And that's evidence for the authenticity of Christianity. To explore more, go to AveMariaRadio.net. Under Resources, look for me. Dr. Stan Williams. Violence begets violence. Love broke the chains in the civil rights movement of the 1960s. Hi, this is Peggy Stanton, host of A Place of Peace. Join my guest, civil rights leader Andrew Young, as he relates how nonviolence achieved peace and great racial progress. That's this Saturday at 11 a.m. and Sunday at 9.30 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. Welcome to Mast Appeal, where you can get some free, friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. This is Colleen Kelly Mast, your hostess today. You can learn more about my work at my website, sexrespect.com. Today I'm speaking somewhere else at Northwest Indiana Women's Conference, so we have a pre-recorded show, so don't call in, but stay tuned and listen. Right now we're chatting with Anthony Esselin, the author of Sex in the Unreal City, published by Ignatius Press. The subtitle is Demolition of the Western Mind. In this book, Sex and the Unreal City, I couldn't put it down when I first got it. It's a guide through modern culture and the wreckage of freedom, of the political landscapes, of schools and universities, even the common core curriculum. And this unreal city consists of citizens who view logic as hate speech and where the only sins are political and therefore never in need of forgiveness. And so Anthony Esselin leaves us with some hope. He was just starting to tell us that before the break and delving into how Catholic theology offers the solid truths that a new city needs to be built upon. So if we talk about the, you know, how 
can this unreal city ever be demolished and and how can devout Catholics live and thrive in the unreal city that you describe and you were already moving us to your last chapter and how you do that through the Apostles Creed so go ahead where we left off Anthony we want to hear more well um, it's you know, you know, when I have arguments with uh, with, with secular people, I, I've noticed um, in many cases now, perhaps even in the majority of cases, the question that they ask is very seldom, right? Is this true? What do you uh, is it mm-hmm. true? Is it? They, they ask, um, or they say, that's offensive. What you just said, or. Um, that's hurtful. What you right. said, or mm-hmm. right? Oh, they're just thinking about their question. feelings rather than the objective truth of it. it. Yeah, and that that's really actually very manipulative because most of the time when people talk about their bad feelings, uh, I mean, uh, this is just something I've always believed my whole life long. When people when people talk a great deal about their bad feelings, um, they tend to be either exaggerating or lying. Mm. Uh, it's. I don't put much credit in that. But in any case, it's not to the point. The point is whether something is or is not true. right? Now, um, when it comes to the questions regarding God and man and the relation of man to God, what what God wants of man, um, the, the, the secularists of our time, if they are friendly will say, well, you know, it's okay, you can believe what you want to believe, right. and that's mm-hmm. fine, mm-hmm. we'll clear out some space for you to believe it, yeah. but I don't <laughs> want them to say that, I want them, I want them to, to, to address the, the question, is this in fact true? Okay? Mm. Don't patronize me, mm-hmm. because if I'm believing something no. that's not true, I don't want to stay with it. Mm-hmm. Is this true? Now, if the tenets of the Apostles' Creed are true, mm. then they have profound implications for everything that we do in our lives. Right? Um, uh, if God exists, right, and he does, uh, and um, if God has made man in his image, right, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, right, maker of all things visible and invisible, um, if, if that, then that has all kinds of implications for how we are to live our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, if that is true, then a whole host of things follow. Um, if uh, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then all kinds of things follow. Mm-hmm. Right? It, the, the, the wonderful thing about being a, a Christian, Roman Catholic, is that um, what I am asked to believe absolutely, is really, uh, well, first, I believe all these important things with profound implications, but the the church doesn't tell me what to believe about the best political system that man can devise. The church doesn't tell me what to believe about how to pay for uh, medical care. The church doesn't tell me anything about a lot of these things. The Mm -hmm. church gives me principles to go by. The politically correct tells me what to believe about everything. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and leave me with no freedom except freedom to do whatever I please sexually, which mm-hmm. is not freedom but slavery. Uh, in the meantime, there's the church here. Um, it roots me in the truth, and it gives me a whole universe of freedom, then. not just to arbitrarily choose this or that, but um, to uh, to choose things that I'm free to choose, 
that are in concord with the, with the structure of the world that God made, with the structure of mankind that he created. Um, you know, God didn't set Adam in the garden and say, okay, Adam, here's Go a me. list of rules, <laughs> right? These are the politically correct rules you have to follow. He said, you're in the garden, Adam. Just don't eat of that tree. You're innocent. Now do as you please. Work. Mm-hmm. Till the yeah. garden. Make it what you want. Yeah. Right? Build it. Um, build it up. But now we have yeah. our, our kids in school, our teenagers in school, our innocents, I'd almost like to use the word brainwashed in a way. Um, they're, they're teaching something very, very different that I think is changing the way that even kids that have maybe have a good Catholic upbringing or going to religious ed and made their first communion and their confirmation, that they are easily swayed by this. So how can parents protect and educate our children and teens from this grave yeah. confusion? That, that, that's an excellent question. Um, I'm going to answer it very bluntly. Get your kids out of those places <laughs> yesterday. Okay. Okay. And, no and alternative. Here, no alternative. No, there is no alternative. Here, here, here's why. Okay. Uh, and I've I've been preaching this to Catholics and other Christians for better part of 15 years now. Oh my goodness. Um, the driver of the human person is the imagination. Mm-hmm. If the imagination is formed or deformed uh, by what the kid sees on the screen, whether uh, it's a computer screen or the television, mm-hmm. or what he gets in school six hours a day for nine months out of the year, if that's what's forming the kid's imagination, then don't think. Um, mm. Don't think that your theology lessons mm-hmm. just remain notional. Don't think that the theology lessons, read good catechesis, don't think that it's going to be able to hold against the floodwaters. Mm-hmm. That levee is going to break. We need to take control of the imagination, and it can't happen if those kids are having um, the, the stories that they learn ah, about human yeah, beings yeah. in their history classes, their literature classes, everything that they do in school. You're right. Even in the reading stories, stories the literature, the math problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Those stories come from the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, then forget it. Forget it. Barring a, barring a remarkable miracle of God, those kids, those kids will be tools of the enemy. And then when mm. they go bad, uh, they will yeah. be able to say, "Listen, I was raised as mm-hmm. a strong Catholic," mm. but, and, and and they do more damage that way mm-hmm. than kids who were never raised anything. Oh my goodness. Um, We've we got about... to resume the, the, the directing of our kids' imaginations. That can't be done if the kids are left in school. Redirect our imaginations. Okay, we have about one minute left. Any last message you want to say um, about your book, Sex in the Unreal City, The Demolition of the Western Mind, published by Ignatius Press, Anthony? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, um, be as pessimistic as you want, but hope. <laughs> be, be hopeful always okay. because Christ be is our hope. Exactly. And it's time to, to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Okay, get to work at educating our own children. Get to work at refuting the lies that are out there. Get to work at becoming politically active and active in your parish, especially active in your family. And then when your nieces and nephews are challenging you at all these parties, um, come out with the truth, challenge them with the truth. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate that. 
you taking your time to do that. And I appreciate your writing this book and and outlining what so many of us are thinking, and now we have it in a language that we can understand that really calls out this confused culture for what it is. It is a lack of truth. So thank you so much for your time and for writing Sex in the Unreal City. God bless you, Anthony. God bless you, too. Okay, thanks. Wouldn't it be great to have your child at a school where he was a professor and could help them learn how to think? And that's what uh, my people send their kids to college at places like the Magdalene College of the Liberal Arts in New Hampshire. So, all right, so much going on here on Mass Appeal this morning in our pre-recorded show. We'll be back with more exciting guests right after this message. This is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Each year, from September 15th to October 15th, Hispanic Heritage Month is observed in the United States. One of the most important elements of Hispanic heritage is a profound respect and love for life and family. Yet sadly, the abortion industry targets the Hispanic community aggressively, trying to sell them the false solution of abortion, which instead of solving a problem, only creates more problems and wounds that affect the whole family and our whole society. In October, our initiative, Healing the Shockwaves of Abortion, features the Hispanic community as its theme and offers pastoral resources to assist Hispanics to choose life and heal from the wounds of abortion. We also point out that no other issue of social justice can be resolved if we do not secure the right to life. Learn more at abortionshockwaves.com. This is Father Frank Pavone on Ave Maria Radio. I was looking through my daughter's homework folder one day and came across an assignment she did in religion. She had to draw the reflection she saw when she looked in the mirror. She drew herself and wrote the words, Ice Skater. She drew us, her parents, and wrote the word, Family. She drew a cross and wrote, Jesus. She drew a son and wrote, Smile. She drew notes and wrote, Music. I realized the reflection she sees in the mirror is what she reflects out into the world. We know Jesus came and said, I am light so that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. We communicate what we reflect out into the world. We know that light is goodness, it's God. We know that darkness is evil, it's the devil. And at some point in any given day, we are looking in the mirror. So what do you see? What are you reflecting out into the world? This has been a Christ Center Communication Message. I'm Vanessa Dunhagarmo, a communications evangelist. you can get some free friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. I'm not giving out the phone number today. This is a pre-recorded show with some amazing guests with some amazing information that can help us all. Stay tuned and just a, another segment we'll be hosting Dr. D- Father Dwight Longenecker, Immortal Combat, Confronting the Heart of Darkness, that I'm eager to hear about. But this is our segment where I'm going to take a breath and relax. We're going to be chatting with Kelly Johnson, who wrote a book for Ave Maria Press, and it's called 
The Caregiver's Companion. And just when I saw the book, it was so beautiful. When I saw the exercises, kind of like a journal book, it made me so happy and relaxed because I have been a caregiver. I've spent, of course, half my life um, first raising children, and when my um, last one was in college, I took in my father, and he lived with us until he died, and then took care of my mom for a while, just overseeing her care, who wouldn't move out and had to go drive an hour all the time to care for her. My husband has chronic illnesses, and I'm in the hospital regularly with him, overseeing his meds, taking him in for appointments, overseeing the the doctors to make sure that we get those all coordinated. So when I read this book, I just thought, oh, Caregiver's Companion, a Christ-centered journal to nourish your soul. I thought, I've got to talk to these authors because it'll help you too. So we hopefully have uh, Kelly Johnson on the line here. Kelly, are you here? I am, Colleen. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for being with us because your book can help us, you know, cope with stress or feelings of grief and loss and how to be an advocate, as I've had to do these last couple months for a loved one, maybe face tough decisions, establish healthy boundaries, and make memories. You make it into a positive experience. So, So first of all, Thank you for writing this book. <laughs> and um, like, you. how did you and your co-author um, Deborah Kelsey Davis come together to, you know, to not only write this book, to found the ministry Nourish for Caregivers? How did you get to this point where you wrote this book, Kelly? Absolutely, and that's a, a great story. And really, um, like you were sharing as you began, how you are a caregiver. Um, Deb and I are both caregivers, but we mm. come at it from two different angles. Um, so Deb cared for. Her mother-in-law and is now caring for her aging parent. Um, my story is is that um, my son, when he was five, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. So one day we were at the forest preserve, hopping on rocks, and the next we, next weekend we were in an ambulance um, oh. on our way to the hospital. So the spoiler alert, though, is he is uh, medically very boring, which is good, um, <laughs> and he is a 22-year-old in college right now. So. Um, he is absolutely a happy ending. Oh my! Um, but not That's without great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, but not without some learning disabilities. So we continue. So I continue to be a caregiver in that sense too. So, um, just kind of Deb and I come at it from um, two different perspectives. Both of us caregivers, though. And um, Deb, when she finished, had approached me. I work at our parish, St. Mary of Boston in Downers Grove and approached me about doing a workshop for caregivers and we needed it we realized very quickly it wasn't just a one time workshop that that caregivers oh. need to know that the church and that our faith is is here and so important to us as we're walking through this journey Oh, great. So, because um, you know, and, and I do too, being a caregiver is always stressful. Um, but now mm-hmm. this this last part of, t- in 2020, what are you seeing that's made it even more intense with this COVID-19 pandemic? Exactly. It, caregiving is stressful. It's um, a lot of juggling of a lot of different things. And um, the isolation and the feelings of being alone and frustrated and unsure are really magnified during COVID. And I think all of a sudden a lot of people realize what they may have just been doing. You know, Colleen, you talked about needing to run to fill your husband's medicines or needing to do this. Well, all of a sudden they're beginning to realize that this is, part of caregiving and and I'm a caregiver and what does that mean and how does that define what's going on and as we're you know in in shutdown and all of part of COVID that it really has intensified those 
um, the difficult aspects of our mm-hmm. caregiving um, right. and made made things hard, as well as some things where we might we as caregivers might have had some respite care or some in home care. Oh yeah, uh, some of those were stripped away too. Yeah, you're so right. So a lot of very intensified. So in the book, you talk Absolutely. about stress and a concept that I think would help all of our listeners, reimagining stress. I love that part. So what does reimagining stress mean, and how can you just teach us in a few minutes how we can reimagine our stress to find some peace in stress? So tell us about that. Thank you. Um, I, I think it's important and foundational to understand that God can use anything to his greater good even something like stress. So if you think about, you know, we have our senses, then you put your finger on a hot stove and you pull back, right? So Mm -hmm. stress is sort of the same way. It's a way for us to realize, you know what? Something needs to pull back. I need to pull back. I need to retake a look at what's going on here. What are my feelings associated with that? What am I doing? And how am I not focused on the Lord? And how do I need to recalibrate and reorientate myself? So even in my caregiving and even in these crazy days, I recognize that God is right here with me Mm. and I am Christ to the person that I'm caring for. And so stress sort of becomes that mm, warning sign that we need to take a look at what we're really doing here. That's beautiful. To recalibrate to the Lord, always remind ourselves who loves us and why we're here, and then to be Christ to those people that we're caring for. I usually end the show by saying, be Christ to others. So you're right, that we we need to fill up with God's love so we can give it away. So if we imagine our stress as God can use this for the greater good, what what can I learn through this, and how can I see God in this? That should be really, really helpful. Other thing I want to ask you about, this is a gorgeous book. I don't know if if you oversaw the art direction through Ave Maria Press, but, you know, there's pages for journaling and um, just pictures that are so calming and watercolor painted and nice words to comfort people. So um, why do you think, I know you made it as a journal book on on purpose, why is journaling important for any? But especially caregivers, how does that help us? Uh, journaling, journaling. If you if you are not journaling right now, I strongly encourage you to journal. Um, it's a wonderful way to help relieve stress that we just talked about. But it's a way to begin to um, create order and into your days. It's also a wonderful mm. way as you're struggling with something to start to put some ideas down on paper, and you'll often find that you kind of have that, you have some of your answers right there locked locked in your mm. mind. It's a way to pray. It's a way to offer praise. It's a way for gratitude. Um, there's so many benefits of, of, of journaling, and it's a way also um, to continue to move through and to process things, and that's really um, a way in which the caregiver companion is very helpful is it helps caregivers as they're moving through those different topics that you talked about, mm-hmm. um, as you're moving through the book, through the journal, you're beginning to process and um, work through the different aspects of caregiving. And then the, the beauty of it, too, is it becomes a wonderful keepsake. And yes. you have that, as you said, the memories of looking back and taking a look at, um, wow, I, I didn't know I could do that, and I did. Yeah. And I, oh, I remember feeling that and look at where I'm at now, and it's just a wonderful way to begin to process and to move forward. Wonderful. I love this book. I'm going to work through it, so and I won't be able to give it away because I'm going to fill it in myself. So God bless you. Thank you so much for writing The Caregiver's Companion, a Christ-centered journal to nourish your soul by Ave Maria Publishers um, by Deborah Kelsey Davis. 
Davis and Kelly Johnson. Thank you so much for writing your book and being with us here today, Kelly. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Colleen. God bless you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Light of the East, weekends on Ave Maria Radio. I am Father Thomas Loya. This week on Ave Maria, our Lord said, Let your children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. With the help of our guest, Stephanie Pop, we will see how the children come to Christ in an Eastern Catholic parish. Saturday evenings at 8.30 and Sunday mornings at 9 on 990 WDEO, Ave Maria Radio. This week on Christ is the Answer, we continue Father John Ricardo's RCIA for Catholic series. It's easy for us to take comfort in the message of Christ's death and resurrection, but the truly difficult part is letting that message convert our hearts to Him. Father John shares some of his experiences as a priest at Mass this week and also delves into Pope St. John Paul II's apostolic letter on the dignity and vocation of women. Tune in for Christ is the Answer, Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. What do we mean by intercessory prayer? The Catholic Catechism defines intercessory prayer as asking on behalf of another. It is a prayer attuned to God's mercy. It is a prayer of petition that leads us to pray as Jesus did. Jesus is the one intercessor with the Father on behalf of all mankind, especially sinners, because, says the Catechism, Jesus is able for all time to save the souls who draw near to God through him. Jesus lives to make intercession for such souls. When one prays intercessory prayer, he or she is looking out not just for one's own interest, but for the interest of others, even for one's enemies. The intercession of Christians recognizes no boundaries, says the Catechism. Prayers are extended for all men, for kings or for persecutors, and even for the salvation of those who reject the gospel. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to Mast Appeal. This is Colleen Kelly Mast. Offering you free, friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. You can call in next week, but this week is a pre-recorded show. I've had several guests here today that have helped us look at our life and our culture and our responsibility to God in a lot of different ways. We chatted first hour about the supreme vocation of women with Melissa Molesky. Um, we talked with Leanne Tiemann about everyday Catholicism with one of the, um, the chicken soup for your soul books. And we talked with Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle about family consecration. And Mario Constaby with his new virtual experience for parishes, A Ray of Hope. That was our first hour. So if you happen to miss the first hour, you can always go to the website of Ave Maria Radio, the producer of the show. Go to the archives and you can listen to it then. And you can also go to my Facebook fan page where I will post some of the the links to some of these authors and to some of their books or their website so that you can look up more about what they've done and what they've told us. So this hour, we got to chat with Anthony Esselin about Sex in the Unreal City, uh, which is amazing um, in the subtitle, The Demolition of the Western Mind. For those of us that wonder, is the world going crazy or are we going crazy? And the answer was, 
no, there is a basic truth, and we can find hope even in today's culture. I was kind of shocked at the end where he said that the best way to protect our kids is to take them out of schools where they're going to get brainwashed by this cultural information. And so many of you are experiencing that right now where you have taken your, um, or you've let your child stay in the schools and they came out, especially after they went to college, a whole different person. What, what was going on in their brain and how did they get lost from me sending them away as a well-formed Catholic to coming back and being absolute relativist or maybe a person just wrapped up in sin. And then uh, The Caregiver's Companion by Ave Maria Press. The Sex in the Unreal City was with Ignatius Press. Caregiver's Companion was with Ave Maria Press. So Kelly Johnson just gave us a calm little chat to talk about that and some of its um, wonder, the wonderful opportunities in her book, The Caregiver's Companion, to help people who are caregivers just process that information, uh, process the feelings, uh, to pray, to, to write words of gratitude, and to do that in a beautiful way because solutions will come to our stress as we process it. Sometimes we think that our feelings are all that matters, but really our brains matter too, and there are processing systems that take place in our brains that will um, uh, you know, help us get through what the particular incident might be. So our next guest, hopefully we'll get him on the, the phone here soon, is uh, Father Dwight Longenecker, who wrote the book Ir- Immortal Combat, Confronting the Heart of Darkness. <coughs> now, Father Dwight Longenecker was brought up an evangelical in the United States, He earned a degree in speech and English before studying theology at Oxford University. He served as a minister in the Church of England and in 1995 was received into the Catholic Church with his wife and family. He's the author of over 20 books and booklets on Catholic faith and culture and he's the pastor of Our Lady of the Rosary Church in Greenville, South Carolina. So you might ask, like, how could he be married? Well, he was ordained as a Catholic priest under the pastoral provision for married former Protestant ministers. So he and his wife have four grown-up children, and he has written one of the most powerful books I have ever read. I've got so many questions for him. I know we'll go more than one segment. We could go longer than that because I was just um, amazed. So are you on the line with us now, Father Longenecker? Yes. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for being here, and thank you for writing your book, Immortal Combat. You certainly don't pull any punches in the book. You're serious about this. So, so, so tell our listeners, first of all, what is spiritual warfare and spiritual combat, and, and how has it become a lost art, as you say, in today's culture? Well, I think um, the idea that the spiritual life and the Christian life is a battle is written right through the first the, every page of Scripture almost. There's this sense that we're engaged in a battle against evil, we're engaged in spiritual warfare. St. Paul says we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Um, it's integral to Scripture and, of course, to the lives of the saints down through history. Oh, yeah. But in recent times, um, we've got rather embarrassed by that, and so we've um, you know, removed... Hymns like "Onward, Christian Soldiers" from the hymn yeah, books and, yeah, and, and we have things down a bit. <laughs> yeah, they used to tell us we were soldiers of Christ at confirmation, and now they don't tell kids that anymore. Do you think they've wimped down the faith? <laughs> it's it's part of the faith to to actually um, and to be part of the baptized. Um, the the, uh, 
baptism rite actually says that you are a soldier of Christ as you're, after you're baptized, and our great hymns and, and scriptures all um, proclaim that truth. Mm-hmm. So what's your background with spiritual direction and spiritual combat, Father? Uh, could you repeat that, please? Oh, what is your background with spiritual direction and spiritual combat? Well, I, I think spiritual direction simply means that um, each one of us need to have a particular path within our our Catholic calling to um, towards holiness, and uh, very often that'll take the, the form of following a particular um, saint or a particular uh, devotion, a particular uh, uh, spiritual path. Mm. My own, for instance, is um, following the way of Saint Benedict, uh, and some will be Franciscan tertiaries or Dominicans, and um, the different saints offer us different spiritualities and different ways to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, very, very good. Now, your book was fascinating. I enjoyed reading it. And I'd like you to tell our listeners, what are some of those tricks that the evil one uses, um, you know, as he hides in our world today? You reveal some of those tricks. What are those? Well, in the first half of the book, I, I dig into the um, definition and what it really, what the sin of the world really is. And, you know, I wrote the book because... I wanted people to, underst- to, to try to understand why Jesus died on the cross and what we mean by uh, phrases like Jesus died to save you from your sins or Jesus died to take away the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. But before we can get to that point, we have to understand what the sins of the world really are. Ah. And they are, not, they are not just, you know, losing our tempo or, or breaking the speed limit or something. Um, they're, they're actually, it's a network of evil, a network of deception that is, uh, runs right through human history and through every human heart. Mm. And you talk about the the lies, the the people of the lie. Who are who are those? The the people of the lie is the, the summary of uh, what I've been trying to explain about what what uh, this deception, the depth of deception, and the evil of the world, uh, sin of the world, really is. The people of the lie are basically um, hypocrites. Uh, people who uh, pu- put on a facade of goodness and and char- they're charming, they're nice, they're respectable, they seem to be good people. Mm-hmm. Very often seem to be religious people, but in fact the whole thing is a lie because they mm-hmm. spend all of their time denying Mm, amazing. Okay, we just lost your voice there for a second, so uh, maybe you need to get closer to the phone. So um, I wanted to ask you too. Then how does a person become a Christian warrior? What can we do as, you know, I'm sure we can learn that reading your book, but just give us some tips. How do we become a Christian warrior if we're up against these respectable, nice hypocrites that are living the lie and that the the evil one kind of works through in this network of deception? What can a person do to be that Christian warrior? Well, the, the first thing to become a Christian, of course, at all, is this genius idea, which is called repentance. And ah. repentance is not, is not just um, giving a shopping list of the naughty things we've done. Repentance is a very foundational level, um, right at the very heart of mm. ourselves, realizing that we are not right, we are not good, we, we, mm. there's something wrong, and we need help. Uh, mm. And repentance, therefore, is that rock-solid um, conviction of looking at ourselves and seeing ourselves as we really are 
and then turning in faith to the Lord Jesus and saying, I need you. You're, you're the mm. one I need. Uh, mm. And that once that um, ground-level ground foundational transformation takes place, then we have the foundation on which, by God's grace, we can begin to build the rest of the, the house of faith. Mm, amazing. Wonderful. Okay, um, can you hang, with, hang on till after the break, and I can ask you a couple more questions, Father? Sure, I'll be here. Okay, all right. We'll be back in a couple minutes with Father Dwight Longenecker. He wrote the book Immortal Combat, Immortal Combat, Confronting the Heart of Darkness. This is Colleen Kelly Mast on Mast Appeal, and we'll be back in just a moment. On the next Cresta in the Afternoon. Christianity Today is the flagship journal of American Protestant evangelicalism. Mark Galley was its executive editor for many, many years. Mark has been a committed Protestant oh, for most of his life. He retired last year, and guess what? He's just become a Catholic. He tells us why. Cresta in the Afternoon, from 4 to 6 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Fire on the Earth, Peter Herbeck. And we do have discouraging times. You know, times that really can, if we're not careful, can lead us into discouragement. And to the point where the enemy wants to get us to is to live without hope is to just give up, throw up our arms and say, no, God's not here, uh, this is not never going to go anywhere, nothing's ever going to change, and just give in. Give up and give in. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to give up, give in, quit, quit the fight, because then it's over. What we need to do is stand in the Lord, and if we just walk as Jesus is describing, to tap into the strength that he wants to give us. He said, look, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I will never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'll never fail you. And I've called you and I've chosen you to bear fruit. And he knows exactly the circumstances of our lives. He knew, you know, when you were made, he knew, they, for God the Father knew, that you'd be living through these days. Just as he knew that my father would live through the days and my mother the days of the Second World War. He knows you were going to be alive at this time. And if you're listening to this program and you're baptized into Christ and you're a follower of Jesus... He's made you to make a difference. He's made you to bear fruit, even in these difficult times. He's made you to be a light. He's made you to be different. Peter Herbeck spreads fire on the earth, weekday mornings at 6.30, and again at 11.45 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Morning and welcome back to Mass Appeal, the Saturday morning show on Catholic Radio, where you can get some free and friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. I'm not going to give out the phone number, and it's actually our, our last segment. We're honored to have here as our guest, Dr. Father Dwight Longenecker, the author of Immortal Combat, published by Sophia Institute Press. The subtitle is Confronting the Heart of Darkness, and I, and I love, Father, how you use uh, adventure story examples, whether it's Greek mythology or the Holy Grail or Lord of the Rings or Star Wars and Darth Vader. You use examples that a lot of, well, I have four sons and a daughter, but I know all of my sons and my husband would appreciate um, some of the, the um, a- analogies you use because it helps take them into the adventure movies they've seen to this reality of, of good and evil. So I've got a couple more questions for you before the, the music starts playing here. And one of them is that, that theologians teach us that our enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil, but it seems like today's enemies are 
laziness, compromise, and error. How do we fight that kind of error? Uh, well, I, I think we, uh, first of all, we can fight it through education, through educating ourselves and being well catechized, um, but also to realize that there is such a thing as, as uh, error in the church. There is such a thing as error mm. in, our, in our theology and in our worship and so forth. Um, and in this age we live in, it's, it's a kind of bland, uh, vanilla society in which everything goes. Um, and really sometimes the distinctions and drawing those distinctions are what gives us an edge and makes things a bit sharper and more real for us. Mm, okay. Then you wrote about resentment, too, and I read that carefully because a lot of people call into the show struggling with resentments. And you said it's a horrible master like Medusa, that ancient mythical creature. So how is resentment seducing humanity? And you say it's kind of like a drug. Yeah, you mentioned about using um, illustrations from popular culture and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and, and stuff. I also use uh, classical mythology and images from there, like you just mentioned. Um, and I've done so because, not just to keep the book interesting, which I, I think it does do that, but also because um, <laughs> images images um, open our, uh, the, the, uh, the door to the imagi- to ima- imagination of, is the oh, door to yeah. our heart. And so yeah. this is going to engage our emotions and engage our heart a lot more. And resentment, oh, some of the yeah. things I deal with in the book, like resentment, are actually emotional issues, issues of the heart, oh, not issues yeah. of the head. Uh, and so we're trying okay. to engage people's heart, not just their head. And people said, you said mm. this as well, the book packs a punch. And um, it was intentional to, to try to get down, make that long journey mm. from the head to the heart. Mm, beautiful. Wow, we just learned a lot about human nature. Okay, we have just about uh, you know a minute or two left. So what are solutions available for winning this battle? Um, what would you say are some of our, what could be our response to pass through this? Well, at the end of the, well, at the end of the book, I, I go through some pretty classical Catholic solutions, but I've done it from a fresh perspective and tried to say, look, um, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is the victory over evil. And everything that we do as Catholics, mm. our devotions, our service in the community, our service to the poor, our prayers, our adoration, our contemplation, all of these things are different ways of actually bringing the power of the cross into the present moment and living the cross. Um, mm. Jesus said, mm. you must take up your cross and follow me. So but everything that we do is seen from that perspective as a living the, the, the Catholic faith is not just because someone told us to do these things, but because they are actually um, enacting and living out the cross in the world. Mm, thank you so much. I appreciate you writing this book, Immortal Combat, and I appreciate you for being with us. Thank you so much, Father Dwight Longenecker, author of Immortal Combat, Confronting the Heart of Darkness. Thanks for being here with us today on Mass Appeal. Thanks for the invitation. Great to be with you. Okay, great to be with you, too. Some of you have followed his work and uh, his blog and, and many of the wonderful things that he's written and taught us, so it's wonderful to, to have him here on the show. So I hope that has inspired all of you. We've had a lot of guests here today, a lot of books. I'll be posting them on my Facebook fan page, Colleen Kelly Mass, with one L in Colleen. Um, so you can link to some of these guests and get some of these books and be inspired by them as I am. So I thank you for being here with us today. I hope you have been um, educated and inspired. And now we have some more information to 
give ourselves some free, friendly advice from a Catholic perspective by utilizing these books. So thank you so much for joining us today. And check out my Facebook fan page for links to all of our guests and to learn more about some of the other things we've talked about on the show, different uh, uh, novenas and, and guests and books that we've had. So learn more about my own work. If you need a Sex Respect book or Love and Life book or more about Love Ed, you can go to my website at sexrespect.com. And I'll be back next week reminding you to be Christ to others. It's produced by Ave Maria Radio and broadcast through the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Copies can be purchased or free downloads can be found at the Ave Maria website, AveMariaRadio.net. If you have a comment or question for Colleen, write to Colleen at AveMariaRadio.net or MassAppeal at AveMariaRadio.net. And listen for Mass Appeal Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 Eastern Time for free, friendly advice from a Catholic perspective. <laughs>